listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is Monday. It is Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. I am looking forward to continuing our conversation in your book, Emotions and the Gospel. Today, we dig into a topic called Unified Facial Response. Now, this is not like some sort of technology for like scanning my face or my retina to get me into <laughs> high security areas. But this is more about emotions. So looking forward to talking about that. I, when I saw the phrase unified facial response, I was a little confused as to what it meant, but you did a nice job of explaining it in this chapter. So I I feel enlightened and yeah, educated. And I think perfect. hopefully we'll, we'll provide that for our listener today as well. Facial response or facial expressions are our facial expressions um, expressions are are they are they universal? Like if I smile, is that the, if someone smiles, is that a universal thing? Are they mm-hmm. universal expression of emotions? This is such a fun chapter because I would say it's hotly debated. Like this is one mm-hmm. area where we're just really learning a lot, and we're really in the messy middle. Um, what we thought we knew and what we've learned and how those things fit together. And so it is a fun one to say, huh, I, you know, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> and usually, and the reason it made it into this section on partial truths was because what happens is that we want an answer that we know, right? Like we want um, a solid foundation. And a lot of times we turn toward some ideas and declare them to be truth. And I think we have to be very careful in what we know to be truth and what we know to be possible. (laughs) And so unified facial response is one of those things. I would say my prediction when things like this are hotly debated is the answer is yes and no, right? Like the there is some truth in it, some fact And also we're learning something new every day, as well as we take facts too far. And, you know, we were just having this discussion in my family. We were doing, we're reading a book about astrophysics. And of course, the book about astrophysics, because isn't that what everybody does with their kids, is, I know, right, is all about the Big Bang and all of that good stuff that goes with it. And it was really helpful information but my husband, I could see him over there, like getting real worked up. And then he finally was just like, this is ridiculous, you know? And it was so frustrating to him that it just wasn't stated, here's what we kind of know, here's what we do know, and here's what we just don't know. He wanted more honesty in the text. And I think that's what we should be aiming for, is honesty about those three things. What we do know, what we don't know, and what we might know. And I think that would be a better place to be. And that's a great place to be before God, right? Because he knows all. We know so little, but there are some things we do know, some things that have been revealed. And all we need revealed for our salvation has been revealed in Jesus Christ so we can rest in not knowing. It's this wild, wild, I think, mental and spiritual conglomeration, if you will, of exactly what we experience as humans, the frustration and the joy of where we're at in knowledge. So 
that didn't answer your question. That was like a real drawn out backstory to the answer to your question. But yes and no is the, the, the direct answer to your question. Would you like to hear more, you guys, on what we know and what we don't know and what we think we might know about unified facial response and that smile that you have in front of? Yeah, that would be great. And before you do that, can you just like give us a quick definition of what we're actually talking about Ooh. with unified facial response? Yeah, that's a good idea. Like that that plays out in the book, but you're right. We are on air and we should probably give a little more info <laughs> at the at the front. So unified facial response is this idea that as humans, like Andy mentioned with the smile, if someone, if we smile, that is the same across humankind. And especially that we're using the same muscle, like that there are muscle groups used in how we express emotion. And those emotions are readable by other people who have been given that information about those muscles or it's been transmitted in families or cultures in some way that that's what that means. And so <laughs> it's very interesting that it has to do with muscles, right? There's also, I think, to some degree, I've seen a little bit of research on like eyes and what our eyes say. But when you get down to unified facial response itself, you're talking about muscle movements in the face being universal, no matter the culture. So it like expands over our cultural understanding of emotion to be something ingrained in us as human beings, that if we're going to smile, we use the same muscles, no matter who we are, where we came from, or what we've been taught. Hmm. All right. So what do we know? <laughs> well, you know, right? Um, this, is, this feels like such a nerdy episode. I'm really happy about that, right? I'm leading into this right now. <laughs> so good. So what we, we do know is that there's definitely similarity. Like when we talk about different emotions, there's similar muscles used that, like Andy said, a smile on you uses similar muscles to a smile on me and that someone across the globe and and likely someone a hundred years ago was using similar muscles to smile. And so that is good. Now, in the book, we point out that a lot of the observations from this originally come from, and our interest in this come from, <clears throat> excuse me, Darwin's research actually in observation, because he's one of the like kind of, well, not the original observationist, but if you will, like Western thought wise brought that skill of observation and, and making uh, some theories or assumptions based on that to the forefront. So keep that in mind. I think that's a really important fact, actually. And, and I'm not the person who's going to throw Darwin under the bus. Like, I think there's well, I don't personally believe, and I think that we as Lutherans don't believe in a lot of his assumptions. There's some good stuff to come out of his research. So, so we don't have to throw him under the bus in order to do this, but we do need to know where these ideas come from, right? Because that does change the way they've moved through our culture. And so we, we know that there is some muscle movement involved in frowns and smiles and what we call like the six basic emotions in particular. This is another idea I'm not a massive subscriber to, that we have these core emotions and all other emotions come from them. Like that seems oversimplified to me, but that is all wrapped up in the same idea. So we know that there's muscles involved in 
frowns and smiles. And I would call it the behaviors or the responses of emotion that we have in our body to one another. Does that mean that every time you're happy, you smile? (laughs) I think that's probably the best way to describe the problem with unified facial response and to understand it right away. Does that mean when I'm angry, you can always see that on my face? Does that mean that you and I can read sadness in each other based on our expression with our eyes? That gets more into what we don't know. So then my next question is really kind of meaningless. Well, Sorry to throw you how, off, Andy. You're welcome. No. <laughs> <laughs> my next question was, how do facial expressions communicate our emotions? But if they're, if they're not always, well, if they're not universal, then what do these facial expressions mean then, I guess, is a better way of asking that. Yeah, well, I think this comes to holding that tension of, they're not universal, but they're not also completely unique, right? That there's some middle ground to be had here, that there is a lot of muscle and facial expression involved in sharing our emotions with one another and being attuned to one another's emotions. And some of those are even involuntary that we don't always prep our faces to present. Sometimes I can tell by your eyes where you're at if I'm in tune to you. And you are, you know, maybe not guarding yourself in that moment. And so I do think they communicate our emotions intentionally. It's one of the gifts that God has given us for us to understand and be in co-regulation together and to be able to connect. However, um, for me to assume that you always mean one thing by what you're presenting on your face is very problematic for me. And that's why I included unified facial response in the chapter of partial truths of emotion. I think we go into it so often thinking that we are so universal that we miss people's uniqueness. And and then sometimes we go into it thinking we're so unique that we miss the universalness of humankind and human experience and that we are connected in that way. So I do think it's good to reflect on the fact that some of the time, maybe even most of the time, especially if we share a culture, I can read and be attuned to your emotions by some of what you offer me facially. But sometimes I'm going to misunderstand that because we're also unique individuals. So just like everything else, living in the tension of that is something really important for our mental health and also our spiritual health, I think, and our connect connectivity together. Apparently, my facial expression for disappointment is also the same as my facial expression for calculating or trying to solve a problem. Mm. So, Are you feeling disappointment when you're trying to solve a problem? No, but quite often my wife will ask what's wrong. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to figure out something. Or yeah. I'm just thinking. Yeah, no, thinking it's that real. That's so funny that you say that, Andy, because I hadn't really thought of this connection until you said that. But my family, we've been talking a lot lately about resting faces, like how people mm. have their set facial expression when they're just Mm -hmm. hanging out, right? And my daughter, who's 14, told me I have a resting, concerned face. (laughs) Like, Ah. my general face is just concerned for humanity. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was really funny. But it sounds kind of similar to what you're saying. And we can make assumptions, right, based on that. Like someone else's resting face looks like they're kind of angry or someone else's resting face looks like they're just full of joy. But in reality, maybe that's not how they feel. And so you can see right there in that concept of like our basic, you know, how we all have different expressions from the start that we sit in each day, that unified facial response is inaccurate to always apply across the board. It is Mental Health Monday. We're talking emotions and the gospel today, discussing unified facial response with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Back to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We're talking emotions and the gospel today, digging into unified facial response. So now that we understand that my facial response or my <laughs> facial expression for confusion, disappointment, and trying to solve a problem is all the same. So in that sense, it's a universal facial expression, but maybe not what we were going for today. All right. So how do we understand, how do we interpret trying to understand those facial sure. expressions? What do we do with those facial expressions when we see them on others? Sure. Again, living in that tension of shared humanity, that we have some things in common <laughs> across the board because we're humans made by God, created by him in his image, and also trying our best in this world alongside that we're very unique as individuals. That's a really good place to start when we're trying to be attuned to each other and figure each other out, if you will. The other thing I would say is knowing our culture and and knowing culture's impact. So especially when we go to interact with someone else, you know, you can't know all things and you can't know all things about every culture, but just being aware that there are cultural differences in the way we present ourselves. And that includes, remember what we talked about last time, family cultural differences. And so the way that we share anger with one another in particular is a very impacted by culture. I think especially the ones that we perceive as negative emotion, but even positive emotion. You know, I have traveled quite a bit and it is not uncommon for some cultures to not universally, but consider Americans to be kind of loud. And I am of the worst variety of maybe that, that American problem. And so when I go into other cultures, I have to be really aware that my joy doesn't always present itself as joy in a different culture, that my warmth doesn't always present the same. Instead, it can present as brash and overwhelming. And so that really serves us really well. Again, anger though, and sadness, I think some of the things that were often cause a little bit more discomfort within our cultural context is 
even more challenging. There's there's cultures that full on hide some of their emotions. And I think we need to be aware of that and be able to be attuned then, especially the United States of America being the melting pot that it is with lots of cultural movement. Our attunement is going to be not based on our assumption, but based on what we ask one another, what we talk about together, what we can clarify together so that I can be there for you in the way you need me to be there for you. And also we can do the work that we're looking to do together without assumptions taking over. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm gonna maybe go down a little bit of a rabbit trail, but as we're talking about this and like being able to see each other's faces, I, I'm thinking back to like a year ago-ish, I don't even know how long ago it was now, but when we were all wearing masks during the pandemic mm-hmm. and how that affected us and our ability to read each other and see each other when we're only going off of our eyes. Like this was a real practical experiment in being able to still like read each other's unified facial responses and figure out what we were feeling. How did that all, how did that, how did that all affect us having to do that for so long and then coming out of it and mm-hmm. all being like, I can see your face again. Yeah. I think it's another both. And I think it was very hard. Number one, because we're used to communicating in a certain way. And when those ways that we depend on are removed, it's more challenging. And there's definitely scientific truth to this, that there's been research and you know, children do better learning when they can see our whole faces. That said, we also discovered that, look at that. That's not everything. That children are remarkably flexible and they can learn and grow when we have masks on. <laughs> so, so I think it's really interesting to me that a lot of that has to do with uncovering those assumptions. Instead of the thing itself being the right or wrong, good or bad, instead knowing where we're at and being able to understand one another better, again, through questions, through revealing those assumptions. So we were forced to ask each other, I think, more questions because I couldn't see your face. It's really cool that God made us with so many facial muscles and we have tons of facial muscles in order to have expressions so that we can read each other. That's such a good gift. And that's why the book is called uh, Created for Connection as the subtitle. That is one important place of our emotions is that connectivity piece. However, we are adaptable because God made us in that way that we are going to exist in different times and spaces, different cultures, different needs. And so we're going to be able to navigate that through words and language, through other methods that he, I think, even gives us that we may not completely understand because we've never had to do it, right? And COVID showed us that, oh, there's other ways to do things because we just hadn't had to do it that way. <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't really pay attention to facial expression as much, like, at least consciously, until I studied American Sign Language. Then it's oh, everything. Yeah. Then it's everything, so much so as to the position of your eyebrows when you ask a question. Ah. If it's a yes or no question, it's one way. If it's an open-ended question, it's another way. Like mm-hmm. it, it, It's very interesting. So what shapes then? We, we've talked a little bit about culture shaping our expression of emotion, both verbal, nonverbal. What other things, family of origin, does that impact how we express emotions, especially when it comes to facial expression? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we learn them. We pick them up as cues. 
from people first. Again, it, it's the nature nurture thing. Like how much is part of us when we are born and knit together by God in the womb? And how, I said that backwards, first we're knit together and then, then we're born. But how much of that is true? And then how much of it is is learned from the people around us? I would counter this. I think those things continue going hand in hand all the time. I think God is continually knitting us. I think when I can read your emotions, I think God is at work. And that's part of his revelation that he's working between the two of us. I think God is involved in our lives in so many wild ways that we don't even consider. And that's a a really cool part. I mean, I don't think we can truly be connected without God. I think he's He's at work so, so often. So I think family, we read it and we learn it through those relationships. I think especially learn to interpret it through those relationships. You know, we're kind of handed a lens, if you will, for what people mean or what they need or want based on their facial expression. And we learn how to respond, whether through words like our parents teaching us and people teaching us or just simply what happens in the room. So that's one huge piece. I also think beliefs are really intimately connected with the way we express emotion. So if I believe, and I think we saw this a lot with teenagers, especially in COVID, if I believe that my anxiety has no place, then I won't share my anxiety with you until it's completely and absolutely overwhelming and I can't deal with it. And I need, I think that is one reason why we so, so, saw so much overflow of anxiety in COVID was because we were also busy hiding it <laughs> because the belief structure was that we really shouldn't be anxious and we should manage it for ourselves, especially. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, as I talk about that, how our beliefs, I I wonder if you can think of any others, but that's the one that comes to mind, how our beliefs can kind of change what we're willing to share facially and not share facially. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when we're in in different groups of people, if you feel safe sharing some things, you're you're maybe less guarded Mm -hmm. with your facial expressions and in other groups where it's maybe not safe to be so emotive about mm-hmm. things you may be a little bit more guarded in what in what you're or at least hopefully try to control your <laughs> facial expressions if you if you have a loud face that gets very uh, <laughs> hard to do in some circumstances because people can just kind of read you but yeah I think that, that makes a lot of sense too and I I wanted before we run out of time you have this list of uh, of other ways that that we see in scripture that emotions are expressed. Can we run through that list? Because you, you brought out some really cool ones. Yeah, I was. it's so cool to listen, especially, again, we brought this up, how Hebrew culture in the Old Testament has so much expression to it. And so we see emotions in a very physical way in the Old Testament in particular. We do see it in the New Testament, but... Some of the ways that we read in scripture that are physical descriptions of emotions that I don't think we think about or we would contextualize differently in our culture is a face of flame, right? We would call that a blush or maybe heat coming into your face when you're upset. Bones wasting. I think a lot of times that has to do with weariness and exhaustion of emotion. Your stomach constricting or your waist constricting is another one. And and we get get tummy problems with our emotions and they can also have an emotional impact on us when we have tummy problems, right? That's the mom term for stomach is tummy, by the way. Hot heart. A hot heart. I, I love that one. A hot heart. I'll let you dream about what that means, especially if Psalm 39.3 is a good place to go for that one. 
our head being bowed is sometimes a thing of honor or humility, but it can also be a thing of shame. Our head bowed, our head down low. In teeth, that's a classic. The weeping and the gnashing. Lamentations talks about that. We also see that obviously in the New Testament. And in, the, in pretty similar, but also different contexts. And then sick at heart that we have this physicality to our disappointment at times and our hurt from the world and the brokenness within it and in ourselves. So I just think that's a fun list. There's Bible verses next to each one. Um, it's, it's really cool to learn about anthropology, to understand the cultural context of these things. But I think when you just read them, knowing that God gives us so many ways to experience emotion and doesn't restrict us in those ways. That these are things that people all brought before God or experienced before God and are represented in scripture said a lot to me about how God in encourages and encounters my own emotion. Unify facial response. What a topic. <laughs> I feel like we could continue this conversation, but our time is up for today. Next week, regulation. Yes. I'm looking forward to this one. Sounds like laws or something. <laughs> regulation. It probably should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Emotions in the Gospel from Diggitus Heidi Gaiman. Always great to chat with you here on Mental Health Monday. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Oh,